Hi, we're Lindsay and Moya Barclay and we're reading the second reading for you today. The reading is from the Gospel according to John, chapter 13, verses 1 to 30. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realise now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that that, that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen. But this is to fulfil this passage of scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I am telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Very truly I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another, at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and asked him, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in this dish. Then, dipping the piece of bread, he 
he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, What you are about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. This is the word of the Lord. As a church, we've been working through the Gospel of John, and today we're up to John chapter 13. But let's pray to God once again that He'll help us understand this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we reflect on this passage, we pray that You'll help us see how radical the love of Christ is, and how our lives must be challenged and changed by it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, how far would you go because of love? Or how far would you go to express your love? Well, the more you love someone, the more effort you'll put in. The more sacrifice you'll make, the greater the cost you'll be willing to pay. That's true, isn't it? And sounds fair. Well, at least it was how it was with me when I first started dating Yvonne years and years ago. You see, when I first got to know Yvonne, I didn't really want to waste too much money on her. Partly because I was only a poor teenager. And so our dates back then, they were fast food, food courts, pizza hut, not too expensive. But as the years went by, they got more expensive. And so the birthday presents, when she turned 18, I got her a set of earrings she still wears today. And the dates, now we're talking about restaurant food and steak. And back then I would quite gladly and happily waste money on flowers. And so the more I came to love her, the more she would cost me, or, or rather, the more I was willing to spend and to show her my affections, whatever the cost. And I'm sure that's true for you too. The more you love someone, the greater the sacrifice, the greater the cost. But how special is that type of love? To love someone who would love you back. I mean, anyone could do that. And I wonder how many of us think that that is how the love of God is like. That is how the love of God works. That somehow there are some limits to the love of God. You see, what we'll be looking at today will challenge all of us. Because it will get us to rethink what love really looks like. Because here we get to see the extent of the love of Jesus Christ. He teaches his disciples here, not just with words, but with action. It's like an enacted parable. And we see it in verse 1. It's like the summary statement. Have a look at verse 1. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. That is more literally the, the goal of his love, the end point of his love. And so Jesus in this passage, he firstly displays his love. And then secondly, he sets it up as a pattern for his disciples. This is what love looks like. And this is how you are to live. And so firstly, how did Jesus display his love? And to what extent? Well, the scene here was the Last Supper. 
And the Apostle John who wrote this, he highlights two things that should just grab our attention. The first was that Judas was there, the one who would later betray his friend. But Jesus didn't hold back his love from him, even Judas, and that should be striking. And the second thing that should grab our attention was that Jesus was fully aware of who he was. All things have been placed under his power. You see, there is no one in the entire universe with a higher position of power and dignity and glory than the Son of God. And that's what we see in verse 3. Have a look. Verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And so what did Jesus do with all that power? Well, he displayed his love. And how? Well, he got on his knees. He moved from the highest place in the universe to the lowest place on earth. And in a sense, his love stretches from heaven to earth. And what did it look like? Well, it looked like a lowly servant, a humble slave. Now, something we may not appreciate as 21st century Australians was how lowly Jesus stooped to do such a thing. You see, to wash someone's feet in the ancient world was the job of slaves. To today we might think, well, what's so bad about it? Today we've got these beauty salons where people go to do pedicures and, and people are handling toes all day. And you've got podiatrists who look at feet all day, so what's the big deal? I've got a cousin who's a podiatrist and my hat goes off to him. But what we may not realise was that in the first century, in fact, in much of the ancient world, people didn't wear shoes like what we would wear today, where our feet are all covered up. But they wore sandals, and they'll be walking through dirt and manure all day. And the feet, after a day of walking, would have been filthy and smelly. And so what would happen when you entered into someone's house was that there were slaves there to wash your feet. And so what did Jesus do? with all the power entrusted to him. But look at verses 4 and 5. So he got up from the mill, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist, like a servant ready to serve. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now can you imagine that picture? That there was the king of the universe. It really should just baffle and boggle our minds that he would do such a thing. I mean, just imagine the prime minister driving around in the rubbish trucks picking up our rubbish bins. Or imagine the queen in the kitchen washing dishes after all her servants. It's just hard to imagine. But here, there is no imagining. For Jesus was displaying his love in lowly service. That is what love looks like. But you see, Jesus wasn't washing their feet just because their feet were dirty and there was no one else around to do it, so he had to do it. No, there's a deeper significance to this washing. Now, Peter, he didn't really understand, and so he said to Jesus, look at verse 6, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? You see, Peter was confused, uncomfortable, and who wouldn't be? 
I mean, if you came to my place and I stopped you at the entrance and, and took off your shoes and your socks and started to wash your feet and to dry it, I mean, how would you feel? Perhaps some of you would enjoy that. And perhaps some of you would just think, well, that's just weird. But Peter here, you see, he knew Jesus to be his Lord, to be his master, the Christ, the King. And so that's why he said in verse 8, look, he said, he said, no, you shall never wash my feet. Perhaps he was also thinking, I don't really want to wash anyone else's feet, so you shouldn't be washing mine too. But what is the deeper significance of this foot washing? Well, it wasn't just to get dirt off their feet. Instead, Jesus was teaching them, unless Jesus serves him and washes him and loves him to such an extent, and unless he humbly receives and accepts the loving service of Jesus, he will have no part with Jesus. I mean, do you see that in verse 9? Jesus said, Unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. You see, what Peter did not recognize here was that he needed to be humble, and humble enough to admit, spiritually speaking, I'm an unclean person. My thoughts, my actions, they're not always pure. Even my desire to help out my neighbours can sometimes be couched with that selfish desire just so that I can feel good about myself afterwards. And my deeds, they're often just filthy rags. And so Peter needed to recognise and to admit, spiritually speaking, I can't clean myself and I need Jesus to wash me. You see, the foot washing here was looking forward to the cleansing work of Jesus on the cross. The atoning work of Jesus on the cross. Not just in humility here in the washing of the feet, but in humiliation in the dying on the Roman cross. And that's why Jesus said, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Unless I die for you, you will not be clean. And so what did Peter say? Well, he said, I want the full works. Wash everything. Give me a bath. But then Jesus here now, he sort of changes the metaphor up a bit. Jesus, in a sense, goes on to say, well, if you've been cleansed already, and you've been cleansed by Jesus already, you don't need to take another bath. If you've been saved already, you do not need to be saved again. If you're already a child of God, you don't need to be adopted again as a child of God. All that is needed now if you are already clean. In ongoing Christian living, all that is needed is the daily cleansing of the dirt and filth off your feet. That is to come daily to Jesus, to confess your sins and you'll be forgiven because you're already saved. And so that's what we see. Look at verse 10. A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. Now, do you notice that last bit? That is to remind us once again the extent of the love of Jesus. He even loved, he even washed the feet of the one who will betray him. And so do you know what, want to know what love looks like? Well, Jesus is saying, that is what it looks like. Lowly, humble service. 
And his service there was looking forward to his service on the cross. But Jesus, he not only displayed his love, but he now sets it up as a pattern of love. And so he asks his disciples in verse 12, Do you understand what I have done for you? It's not just for you in here. It's meant to overflow from you to everyone out there. And if I, your teacher, your Lord, if I did all of this for you, such a menial task, well, nothing less is expected from you. And so Jesus sets it up as the pattern of love. It is lowly, serving, sacrificial, humbling, and radical. Look at verses 14 to 15 with me. Now, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. That is, you go on loving in such a way, willing to go down on your knees, willing to serve in such a way, willing to be so humble to take the posture of a servant. And not only towards those who would love you back. This is radical, selfless and lowly. And it was because of that type of love that we got the first public hospital in the Western world. You see, Jesus taught a love that was so radical that it started to change since the first century. It started to change the, the culture and shape society. And in 390 AD, the first public hospital was formed in Rome. And do you know who it was formed by? It was formed by a woman named Fabiola. She, she was the, one of the wealthiest in the city. And at some point, we, we don't know exactly when, she became a Christian. And learning from the type of love that Jesus had for her, she sold everything to help the poor. To help the needy, she opened the first public hospital. And she would care for people no one else would dare get close to. The, the, the disabled on the streets, the, the one with maimed nose, the ones who've lost their eyes, the leprous. She would touch, she would care, she would love like Jesus. And so the first public hospital was modelled off the love of Jesus. It's the pattern of love. It, it, it turns the world upside down. The way up is down. It is radical, selfless, and lowly. And so we see in verses 16 to 17 now. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Now do you notice that last bit there? You will be blessed. That is, God's favour will be upon you. Not because you know about love. Not because you think about love. Not even because you chat about love, but if you do it. And so here in this passage, Jesus displayed his love in such a radical way. And he sets it up as the pattern of love. If you want to love, that is what it looks like. And so you see, this passage, it's meant to challenge all of us. You see, for those of you who do not yet know this Jesus, 
That is how much he loves you. Not, not just on the knees, on his knees, but on the cross. To, to cleanse, to renew, to grant you a new life with God. And so any guilt that weighs you down, any shame that you're too ashamed to admit, any guilt you cannot forget, the love of Jesus means that all that can be washed away. You see, Jesus, the King of the universe, would stoop down so low for you. And so for those of you watching who do not yet know Jesus, there is no one in heaven or on earth who will love you to that extent. And so the invitation for you is come and be washed by him. Get in touch with us. But for those of you who already know Jesus and know who he is and you follow him as a disciple, well, this has to challenge how far we are going to love the extent of our love. I mean, I was challenged reflecting on this passage this past week. I shared a bit about Yvonne at the beginning. Well, that, that story was incomplete. Eventually, we did get married. Now, I haven't told this story to many people at all, but on our wedding night, I, I planned it for a while, but after we got home tired from the day of getting married, I, I got out a bucket of warm water and I washed her feet and dried it. I was a younger Christian at that point, and I thought, well, that would be a wonderful symbol of how I wanted to show my love to her, a meaningful way to start our marriage. And I still remember Yvonne's response when I was washing her feet. She said, I, I don't deserve this. And, and I thought, well, you don't, but I'm doing it anyway. But then this past week, as I was reflecting on this passage again, as I reflected back on what I did, I, I thought, that was nothing. Absolutely nothing compared to what Jesus is teaching here. This love that Jesus teaches is far more radical, far more lowly. Not merely a husband washing his wife's feet, but this was the king washing even his betrayer's feet. This was the king who would stoop down and who would hang on the cross. And so let me ask you, to what extent will you go to express your love? It's, it's been something I've been reflecting on as a husband and as a father and as a friend, as a pastor, as a neighbor, as a member of our community. Am I going far enough? Am I modeling Jesus close enough? But what about you? You who claim to know Jesus, you who claim to be a disciple of Jesus, what about you? Well, well, I can say we do see wonderful examples of that type of love in our church, don't we? In our church community. The carers team loving our elderly members, keeping in touch. It is so brilliant to hear. The tech team who's helped so much going into homes, helping our elderly people uh, so that they can watch and help them with our, their technology. And the many others who've put in countless number of hours to make our service possible so that we can continue to meet as the people of God. And of course, there are many of you who have offered to help and to help those in need practically, financially. There are those we know who have lost jobs and some have offered to help. And of course, there are many of you who are in our community, working still in our hospitals, in the workplace, serving 
and willing to do the dirty job. But I still want to ask you, they're all wonderful examples of what we already see as a, as a church community. But I want to ask you, is it radical enough? Have they all been lowly enough? Are they costly enough? I mean, what we see here, the king gave up heaven and went on his knees. That is the pattern of love. The pattern that sacrifices lifestyles. The pattern that started off hospitals. The pattern that established charities. The pattern that descends off thousands upon thousands of missionaries. The pattern that builds churches. The pattern that, that says to this world, my king went on his knees. In fact, my king went to the cross for me and for you. And so I want to leave you with that question. How far would you go to express your love? Let's pray.